exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. Actually, for our show, Sexposure here on Exposure at the Impact. Um, so if you have any questions for our Olin Health Center panel, feel free to give us a call at 432-3893. Um, how about since this is the first Sexposure of the year, and I am very familiar with you guys at this point, but our, I don't know if our listeners are, how about we just go around and do a round of introduction? My name is Andrew. Uh, I'm an employee at Olin, and I've been there for about three years now. Forever. Forever. <laughs> this is Erin. Uh, I'm a health educator at Olin, and I have been here for six years, five years, something like that. Brag about it. <laughs> My name is Casey, and I'm a senior at MSU, and I've been working at Olin in one way or another for since my freshman year, so going on four years. Four years. And I'm Dr. D, and I've been here forever. Since about 1985, I've been on campus, and we're glad to be back on what we think is the best damn radio station on any campus, anywhere, Impact, right? That's For true. our first exposure of the year. You know what I missed about the beginning, though? Is where they go, WDBM. <laughs> it was sad that they didn't have that for the it's first just, year. It's just broken today. Yeah, it's broken. Yeah. So you guys have to settle for me. And unfortunately, <laughs> even though I am sick, my voice is not quite deep enough to uh, no, accomplish we, we, that. We I'll, that. I'll, I'll work on it, though. <laughs> so we are, we are glad to be back here yeah. on Impact because... Uh, uh, we think this is a great service for students to have us on at Sexposure, and we know that uh, we have a, a fan base out there, and we're hoping to create a new one with, uh, with a lot of good topics tonight. So we're glad to be back on the Impact, aren't we? Woohoo! Yeah. I want to intervene with a little question, because when you uh, say Sexposure, you know, it sounds a little risque, and I'm just wondering how much people can handle when it comes to public radio. So... Should we get a little uh, overview of what exactly is sexposure? Well, if you think sexposure is risque, wait till the rest of the show. Our <laughs> <laughs> show's on down the line. And, and when we say risque, I mean, we could talk forever about why the topic of sex is even, quote, branded risque. I mean, we can talk about carburetors and nobody would be, this is too risque. But uh, uh, we call it sexposure because we, we I mean, we're, we've kind of, jumped on to the exposure programming and, and called it sexposure because we talk about everything that is sex and we kind of expose it, not like we're going to be doing flashing on the air or anything like that. <laughs> well, but, you know, <laughs> even if we did, nobody can see We've it been anyways. known. We, we, <laughs> we'd like to hi highlight uh, real of, over the years. We've done everything from bring on people who uh, will... Uh, uh, demonstrate uh, sexual toys, uh, bringing in mm -hmm. contraceptive devices, but but we we're all about being out there and answering questions for students so that they can find their way to the best possible sexual health there is. And you know, it, it, it's it's hard because we start over every year, and we feel like you know, okay, we just got to the campus to a point where we can talk openly about sex, and then they leave, mm -hmm. and you get a whole new batch in, and you got to start over again because. Uh, and, and you'd wonder why we'd have to start over because everybody knows everything about sex they they should know, right? Mm, Don't no, they? Not uh, so much. It was interesting the other day when I posed the question to a bunch of students again about you know what is sex, and they got all these different different uh, uh, definitions about what sex is. And, and I know recently we've talked about the whole concept of uh, a virginity and abstinence because the state news has covered a lot of these issues, and we try to define these for people. And when, when you ask people these different definitions you get I mean they're all over the board but we're going to talk about a lot of things tonight we have all kinds of things to talk about and even though you're under the weather we are glad you came in just to do impact with us because we think you're the best host we've ever had right <laughs> Melissa? True. thanks Melissa. you should all call in and wish Melissa <laughs> happy uh happy sickness day <laughs> well, I think like it's there's something going around campus yeah. like this is definitely my own co-op hybrid flu slash cold um, wash your hands. Well, yep, Everybody I've been wash washing hands, hands and, and all that good stuff. <laughs> Not obsessively, but we'll get well soon. Yes. Yes. Uh, but we are, we are going to talk about several different issues, and there's been a lot in the news lately. You know, yeah. one, you know, uh, Casey uh, said to me the other day about Plan B. <gasps> We've heard a lot about Plan B in the uh, news lately, and and uh, and why don't you tell our listeners, our devoted listeners, and our new listeners exactly what Plan B is. Well, Plan B is basically what many people call the morning after pill. 
Uh, you can take it up to 72 hours after unprotected sex. So if, for whatever reason, um, your contraceptive use that you were using failed, you missed a birth control pill or two, um, condom failed, or you chose not to use one, or, you know, for whatever reason, you felt unprotected, you can come in and get the morning after pill up to 72 hours after um, unprotected sex. And essentially it prevents conception. Okay, so we're preventing pregnancy. Um, it's not going to get rid of a pregnancy that has already existed, but it is going to prevent potentially the pregnancy that could be caused by unprotected sex. It's very different from the abortion pill, the French abortion pill, because it works the same way that your birth control pill does. And so it's pre preventing, again, and not um, ruining an established pregnancy. Right. And that's, that's a point to make because there are a lot of people who think, well, uh, plan B is the abortion pill. It is not. You know, it, it really is a higher dosage of the same synthetic hormone that's in everyday birth control. Right. And it is called plan B. Okay, and, right. and we don't want people necessarily to get the idea that Plan B should be used as a normal contraceptive device. Uh, it should be just what it is, Plan B. You should always have a Plan A <laughs> yeah. you know, to use Plan B. I mean, plan A, plan a should be your first line of defense, as we should say. <laughs> plan A is essential. <laughs> Planning is essential. <laughs> well, you know, there's been a lot of talk about it because the FDA has, uh, I guess I'll leave my political commentary uh, Aside, but FDA has taken a long time to decide whether Plan B should be an option for women and for men that's over the counter. Because mm -hmm. right now it's prescription. And why they call it emergency contraception is because there are emergencies. Yeah. So sometimes when people find themselves in a situation where they get, they have unwanted intercourse, uh, unprotected intercourse, broken condom intercourse, or God forbid, a sexual assault where somebody needs to use something within 72 hours to try to help prevent an unwanted pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that doesn't always happen when you can go out and get a prescription for it. Yep. You know, like if it happens on a Friday night or a Saturday morning and you can't find a position to give a prescription, you're already ruining your chances of, uh, of that 72-hour window there. So Right, because the longer you wait, the less effective the pill becomes. So if we're talking about 24 hours, that 24 hours right after intercourse is the primal time to get it. The more you wait, the less, you know, the less chances that it's going to work you know, that you have. So um, it's really integral to get it, you know, in, as soon as you can after unprotected sex. Um, and you're right, Dee, it's difficult to get if you're talking about it was a Saturday night and you wake up on Sunday. You know, a lot of places, a lot of clinics aren't open. And so I think it's, I think it's a really great thing. I'll put that out there. I think it's great that the CDC is, or that the FDA is putting this recommendation out. Um, the age thing. I mean, they they have restricted it, you know, and, and uh, I don't know if any of us on the panel are 18 or younger. Uh, no, I don't no. think so. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely not in that category. <laughs> but, you know, they've put an age restriction on it, and, and I know why they've done that, you know, and, and I've heard all the arguments, and you know me well enough, all you know me well enough to know that don't throw an argument at me unless you have some data to back it up. Mm -hmm. And there's absolutely no data to back up the insertions that, number one, it's going to increase the number of people who go out and have intercourse. Just because Plan B is available over the counter, you know, there are groups saying, well, it's going to, it's going to uh, encourage promiscuity. It's going to encourage intercourse. Well, come on. We know that's not true. There's been no data to show that. Those are the same people that uh, discourage condoms being available to everybody because right. they feel like it's going to increase promiscuity, and it's just there's no data to back that up. But, you know, be, being here on sex exposure, we want to hear your views. I mean, just because you may think that our view is liberal or conservative in some cases. Somebody called me conservative the other day. I was just about, you know, keeled over. Uh, <laughs> said, you're, you're just way too conservative. We really do want you to call in. And so if you call in, we will entertain all different sides and points of views on the issue of sexuality. And uh, we do have a prize pack, don't we? We do. Well, what's the phone number, D? It's 432-3893. Yes. So give us a call. You want to share your opinion in case you put together a prize pack tonight. So what's in it? I did. We have some condoms, a few different kinds of lube. We have flavored warming and at least silicone based and then we have um a massage certificate from douglas J and a bunch of tootsie roll pops 
And um, at Olin, we now have refrigerator magnets with the little words. You can make sentences, so there's some of those in there, too. That's a loaded price tag. <laughs> I just want you to know that Melissa smiled for the first time when you said warming loop. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you need to... <laughs> Secure for what ails you. <laughs> Uh, you have to explain exactly what warming lube is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we we have all these different types of lubrication in it. Lubrication sometimes is like one of those words like masturbation. The other ones that people kind of go, oh, God, they said that on the air or whatever. You know, it's lubrication is used for in situations where people need that type of lubrication for whether it's oral intercourse, anal intercourse, or. or or vaginal intercourse, but warming lube is, is what, Casey? I mean, it just warms up when there's friction, so it's more pleasurable. Okay, and then we do, do have we do have that. Melissa's <laughs> <laughs> well, giving me the evil now. Already, <laughs> this first show already. We're just already into oh, it. No, no, it's oh. totally fine. Oh, no, we're getting getting back to Plan B. Uh, you know, there it is uh, being debated right now. We should have it available. Uh, I believe Olin is going to offer it when it's over the counter, and we will have it within our pharmacy, which a lot of people don't know. We have a pharmacy. We have a great pharmacy. Um, it's, and we're not trying to get you to come in, although we are trying to get you to come in. Uh, <laughs> we do have a great pharmacy, and it's, it's, it, there's a lot of over-the-counter products. It, it, it will be available. We don't know when. But We're still waiting on the debates, right, with the appeals? Well, I think there's uh, appeals out there. There's also, you know, I, I would like to see it made available without any age restrictions mm-hmm. because it's unfortunate. That, you know, I was going over a lecture the other day with my class at LCC, and we are talking about all the, quote, developed countries. And of all the developed countries, we have one of the, the lowest rates of use of contraception. And part of that is because we don't have great access for contraception, especially for that age group, mm-hmm. that 13 to 18 years age group. They don't have a great access to contraception. So here we're going to do, take an emergency contraception and just say only 18 years old and above can use it. We have such an issue, I think, in this country in terms of creating stigma based on age. You know, if you think about alcohol and we put that age limit on it and what does it do to the people that are 21 and younger it makes them want it more <laughs> you know and it, and so i think that in terms of i don't know politically i'm getting on my soapbox it's very interesting yeah. the way we associate age with things that are supposed to be of privilege for whatever reason people set these standards on them and i think it's and I think what what our society kind of forgets is that sex is a personal choice and as much as we frown upon it or approve of it doesn't matter the fact of the matter is like people are having sex and it's their choice and i think that what's important is the education that goes along with making those decisions and making sure that you're making responsible choices if you do make the choice to have sex know that there are risks involved and know how to get access to contraceptives Mm -hmm. well and there's definitely some that would tell you that uh, our job is to tell them no and you know, I've I've heard that for thirty years. I've been teaching human sexuality that that we should tell people just say no, and, and we we'll, we can get into that a little bit more later on. But there are that's fraught with some problems too, because as an educator, I, I have an ethical I have an ethical mandate to give as much information to people as possible so that they can make a informed choice. It's not not my job to tell anyone what to do. Uh, I will advise at times, but. We got a caller. That's what yes, we're here so for. Yes, we do have a caller. That's what we're here for. Yeah. yeah. So um, I guess let's see what our caller has to say. So, hello. Hi. Hi. Do you um do you have a comment that you'd like to make? Yeah, actually, I had a question. Why there was an age limit? What was the argument um about the plan B? Why was there an age restriction? What was the argument for that? Well, the. Let me put this delicately. Mm-hmm. There's an age restriction. I think it was put in place as a compromise in the whole debate about whether it should be over the counter or not. Uh, and, you know, we can say that there are some influences in the country, um, some based in politics, some based in religion, that would rather not see a plan be made over the counter. And I'm not uh, saying their viewpoints are necessarily uh, good or bad. They just are, and sometimes they make compromises. And the FDA made a compromise on it that they thought 18 or, or 18 years and younger would be uh, not suitable. Now, there's really no factual proof behind it to say that those 18 years or younger would mistreat uh, this over-the-counter product or would 
run out and have intercourse because it's not available. I mean, it's, it's just not the case. I mean, the condom distribution programs to to uh, middle schools and high schools has shown that usually when you distribute condoms widely among this age group, the fears of them running out and having intercourse because they got a condom has never taken hold. And actually, you usually see two things happen. You see STIs, sexually transmitted infections, going down and unwanted pregnancies going down. So the age limit there is kind of a compromise. Uh, I don't think a lot of us agree with it, but uh, sometimes you have to abide by it. Okay. I just thought it was good... Partially, one of the reasons, I don't know if it was one of their arguments, but, um, like, a 15- and 16-year-olds are having unprotected sex and um, are worried about getting pregnant. Maybe, you know, maybe it's important for the parents to talk to their children about, you know, what goes along with having unprotected sex. Maybe they aren't, they aren't fully informed, so... Well, let me, you make, a good, go you make a good point there, but let me ask you a question. Did your parents ever talk to you about sex? Yeah. <laughs> we had the talk. You had to talk, but they sat you down and gave you a little book and said, read it, and we can come back and ask questions, or was it a real talk? No, it was like an open conversation. That's good. You know, it was back and forth. I was able to ask questions, stuff like that. And I think it's really important that parents and children have communication like that and can talk about, you know, sex and everything that goes along with it, because people aren't just born knowing everything about it. You are a very lucky person. <laughs> Let me ask you one question, because a lot of parents are fearful of that. If you could give advice to parents about how to approach the topic of sex with their kids. What would you do? What would you tell them? I don't know. That's tough. Maybe, I don't know. I Personally, I'd probably ask them what they know about it to start out mm-hmm. and then go from there, I guess. That well, was tough. Well, you are, as Erin said, you are quite lucky that, that your parents did uh, sit you down uh, or uh, give you the opportunity to talk. But uh, thanks for calling. Yep, thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. You know, she brings up the topic of uh, of uh, how sexually educated are the freshmen that come to this campus, you know, or the students that come to the campus. And, and, well, and we know that 70% of incoming freshmen have already make, made the choice to be sexually active. We know that from the data. So we know that there's also 30% that are choosing to be abstinent. Sure. Okay. So that's a huge population in itself, but how educated are the people that are incoming that are making those choices? You know, are your choices that you're being, you know, that you're making, are they based, you know, in good, you know, in, in good standing within your own choices and your own morals and things like that? And also, are you well enough educated to make those decisions? Well, as you know, Angie, you worked uh, uh, AOP in U.S. Questions of Students, and and you know there's a bunch of misperceptions about two topics that happen on campus. One is drinking, and the other one is sex. Alcohol and sex. And and we know that if you ask the average incoming freshman, and so I'm going to entice you freshmen to call in because you're going to be mad about what I'm about to say. But when you ask the average freshman, you know, how often are people on campus having sex and how many partners they have, they say, well, 99% of people are having sex and they're all having 10 or more partners. And that's kind of the, a little bit of an extrapolation, exaggeration, but <laughs> nobody, nobody ever gets it, gets it right. You know, when we look at the data, the 2006 NCHA data, you'll see that about 75% of our, our, our students choose to have sex. And maybe some of them don't choose. Maybe there are there's some of that, that percentage that feel like they they're forced into situations. We know that, but we got twenty five percent number one that don't uh, ch- choose to have sex. They choose not to have sex, and that's their choice. And I support mm-hmm. that fully. Absolutely. But even of those who choose to have sex, the majority have one partner or less. But that's a, that's a statistical, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. or less. So so there's a huge misperception, and what we try to do is correct those misperceptions because. Uh, you know, everyone tries to fit in, and sometimes you buy into these misperceptions and you do things you probably wouldn't have done if you had somebody else to support you in doing differently, right? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. So, we, uh, you know, part of it is correcting misperceptions, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, this show is not just about, per se, sex. It's about human sexuality in general, and uh, that's the other thing I would say. You know, when, when when you ask people to define sex or sexuality, they'll say, well, you know... You know what that is. Doing it. You know what she's doing it. It's hooking up and stuff. And I go, wait, no, 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 no. 
Human sexuality is about everything you are as a male or female and everything you do. Everything you you wear, everything you talk about. Mm-hmm. It's everything how you, you, you uh, present yourself. It's everything having to do with that. It's body image. I mean, we deal with body image. Mm-hmm. We deal with, uh, you know, assaults. We deal with orientation. So on this show, we don't assume any of you out there listening have ever had sex or ever want to have sex. All we assume is that you need as much information as anybody else does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was interesting to um, talk about that, just to add to that. Um, I was at a program a couple weeks ago, and I had made um, packets, uh, you know, prize packs, um, for a lot of students that, um, you know, just were kind of participating in things. Um, And there were some people that participated in an abstinence section of the the, um, panel, and I handed out prize packs to all of them, and, and a couple of the people were like, oh, no, I don't want one of those. Well, all that was in it, was information about safer sex, about alternatives to sex, um, and some other fine, you know, fun things in there, candy and whatnot. And they were so scared of information. It was very interesting. Um, scared of what might be in there. And so I think it's an important point that you make in terms of it is very important that you become educated on these things because at some point, if you don't have to deal with it, a friend might. And if you aren't educated, you can't be supportive in their, you know, in, in their future, furthering their education. So I think it's very important, regardless of your own personal decisions, that you make an effort to become educated on the resources that are available. And I found that when I was a freshman, I joined um, the sex troop through Olin Health Center. And through that, there was a... sex troop? What the hell is a sex <laughs> Why? troop? Why? The sex troop is a theater troupe that goes around and does skits about sex in the dorms and a couple of areas on campus. And being an actor, they want to make sure that we know what we're talking about. And so I found at the time I wasn't sexually active, and I found that there were a lot of things that were surprising and that they were way more, I I don't want to use the word scary, but some of the things were kind of scary. Some of the things just really surprised me in that, like, oh, I can have sex and not get an STI every time I do it, you know what I mean? And there were a lot of just being educated made me more aware of what I really do need to be aware of and what I can avoid. So I, I don't think it's just freshmen either. I have a, a friend of mine, um, actually was on my way to coming over to the station today. Um, I told him, hey, you know, like I'm going to be on the air. It's going to be from seven to eight. Like, you, you know, you might, might want to listen. Like, it's a lot of fun. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I'm like, really? How bad can it be? Like making that argument seven o'clock on public radio, even though it's called sex exposure. <laughs> We've got people from Olin Health Center who are trained to, trained to talk about this, like on the air. I mean, it's really not not that crazy. But, you know, he he just kind of refuses to listen to the well, show. And where, this is one of my think, good friends, too. Where do you think his reaction came from, Melissa? Um, well, I think he's He's kind of afraid of what could possibly be on the on the show, as well as the fact that I think there might be some moral uh, stigma, mm-hmm. as you were mentioning before, about talking about sex and about listening about it, um, that he doesn't even want to want to tune in, so to speak. Well, you know, you know for a fact that there are some listeners out there that are <coughs> cringing at the fact that we're even saying sex, mm-hmm. let alone penis and all the other things. <laughs> Uh, and then there are some who have grabbed their portable radio or whatever and hit, went to the closet to listen because they really want to listen, but it's they don't want any people to listen. Mm-hmm. And then there's a group of them that are going, hey, come on, they're talking about sex on the radio. Oh, my gosh. Even though it's public radio. <coughs> I mean, why is that? You know, I know we've talked about this before, but come on, if we were talking about carburetors and cars right now, you think there'd be somebody saying, oh, oh, no, 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 no. That's just just too crazy. That's just too crazy to talk about that. What is it about this culture that won't allow us to say those things and talk about information that everybody needs to know about? What is it? There's just a huge stigma on it in our society, and I think uh, a lot of people have, have a problem talking about it. And, you know, a lot of people are, not everybody, but a lot of people are raised, you know, and all they're either not told by their parents about sex or they're told, you know, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex, and then you never end up learning all the different, you know, intricacies of, I mean, it's it's such a part of what being a human being is that it's it's amazing that, that it's so shut out in our society. 
Well, Erin and I were talking, she mentioned this today, but I do this exercise in my class all the time, too. I say, give me the two messages you got about sex when you were when you were young, when you were growing up. What are the two messages you get about sex? And usually I get the, the, the message that sex is wrong, dirty, whatever, you know, dirty jokes, dirty movies, stuff like that. And usually get the message that, you know, you know, wait, wait. So you know, when you put those two messages together, what a cultural message. Sex is dirty. Save it for someone you love. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the message that, that you get, you know, from this culture when you talk about sex, you know. It's really dirty. It's bad. It's ugly. It's, oh, uh, save it for that loved one. <laughs> There's another one that a lot of girls get, which is kind of like sex is where babies come from. Mm. So, of course, then you're thinking, oh, my God. If I have sex, I'm going to get pregnant. Oh, oh God. <laughs> and I have heard people say they would rather get a sexually transmitted infection than deal with a pregnancy. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting concept, but I actually have been in counseling sessions for HIV, and people actually say I would rather, you know, deal with HIV mm-hmm. than have an unwanted pregnancy. But, you know, I'm going to go back to this discussion for a second and talk about we're talking about sex. And I had a, a student the other day who said, I'm never going to acknowledge my sexuality. And I said, how can you possibly do that? Even if you choose to be abstinent or celibate, you are still have a sexuality. You cannot deny it because it's everything you want. So when we talk about whether we're having sex, uh, having sex and all these different things, we're talking about everybody. We're not excluding those people who have chosen to be abstinent, no more than we're choosing those people who choose to have more than one partner talking about sexuality in general it covers the whole gamut and and do i support people who have sex i support your choice as long as it's an informed choice do i support like the other day i said to somebody they were state news were doing an article on abstinence and 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 celibacy and the reporter said to me uh well uh, do you support people who are abstinent i said well tell me a little bit more I said, I don't support people who force themselves into anything. And a lot of people force themselves into abstinence and celibacy because they fear. Mm-hmm. They fear a lot of different things. Now, it's not my right to say that that's wrong, but any time you force yourself into anything for fear, whether it's duct taping your house because you're afraid of a, uh, you know, a, uh, a nuclear accident or SARS and stuff like that, any time you force yourself because of fear, it's not a healthy decision. Right. I don't care what it is, whether it's abstinence or, or whatever. And uh, I know we have guests coming on in the second part of our show today, too, so we want to bring that up. Who's coming on the second part of the show? Um, we have a member from the um, LGBT Alliance to talk about National Coming Out Day. And she'll be on with us in a short period here? Mm-hmm. Uh, but... last, last 10 minutes of the show, about. Okay. Now, I wanted to... Really quickly finish up on Plan B because yeah. one of the things we didn't talk about are there side effects to it, side effects to Plan B. Sure. There's, um, well, anytime you're dealing with hormones, you're going to, you know, you're going to experience, you could potentially experience uh, some side effects. Some some side effects of emergency contraception um, may include you know, cramping, um, similar to menstrual cramps. That often happens. Um, some things you want to be definitely aware of are things like abdominal pain, um, you know, extreme cramping, fever, um, headaches, things like that. Um, if those go on for an ex- extended period of time, you want to go back in and see a provider. Another very common thing um, would also be nausea. So if you're feeling nauseous and if you actually do throw up after taking those pills, you want to call your provider and get another dose um, because they probably have not been absorbed by your system. Um, so if that does happen, you want to be aware of that, um, that you are not protecting yourself to the, to the utmost level. So I'm not sure you should say throw up with Melissa feeling the way she is. <laughs> that triggers some. If anybody out there has any chicken soup on the stove, you might want to bring it in for Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> looking worse as we go along here in the show, but no, well, we're glad to be with you. But you know, uh, it's like it's like any synthetic hormone. Mm-hmm. You know that there are going to be side effects, but I don't want people to be afraid to use Plan B yeah. because it's not like you know, like the drug commercials you see on TV nowadays, where you say you can't use it with this, and you get this, and you get liver damage. And that. They say it well, really fast. Right. Really yeah. fast. Yeah. Uh, I like I, the one where they sing it. Any of this, <laughs> any any synthetic hormone that you put into your body, or for that fact, any contraceptive device out there has can potentially have side effects mm-hmm. from condoms to to Plan B. So Absolutely. you just need to be aware of it. Well, I think it's important to note that um, 
pending any more decisions that are made based on the FDA's decision. Uh, it's supposed to be, Plan B is supposed to be available over the counter by the end of this year, um, barring any changes. And um, it's important to note, too, that the, the age restriction, I think, I don't know if we made this clear, it just makes it so you need a prescription if you're under 18. Right. And it's still, and then over the counter um, for people over 18. So it's also not going to be like Advil. There will be a pharmacist there to explain the process of when and how to take the pills. It's not going to be, you know, you can pop them whenever. But the other thing is that um, Plan B does have quite a long shelf life. So you can pick them up and have them because even though it's called the morning after pill, you don't have to wait until the morning after. And so the earlier you take them, if you have them in your apartment or house or whatever, you know, you can, you know, increase the chances by having them available. Absolutely. And it's important to note that while it may not be over-the-counter right now, it is still available at Olin Health Center. Mm -hmm. And all you need to do is give the appointment line a call, um, which is 353-4660, and you can find that on the Olin website as well. Um, you call, you make an appointment with a nurse, you have a brief uh, discussion with the nurse regarding um, future plans for protecting yourself from unwanted pregnancy and things like that. Um, they, fill the, they give you the prescription. You can go right downstairs to our pharmacy in the health center and get that filled and have it. Um, we're only open business hours, though. So right. you have to remember, we're 8 to eight to 6, Monday through Friday, and Saturday mornings. So. Well, I think you make a good point. To get a prescription until it's available work account, to get a prescription, you shouldn't wait till it's actually the emergency. I mean... If you go in for your regular uh, exam, you might want to ask for the prescription so you have it. If you are sexually active, I mean, a contraceptive device can fail at any time. Mm -hmm. uh, so you should always have something available if you need it. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're there, you should also look at your plan A, too. You know, pick up condoms, um, get standard birth control, you mm -hmm. know, all of the above. Mm -hmm. And it should be a joint decision. It shouldn't be just a woman doing everything if it's, if it's a heterosexual relationship and you're trying to protect yourself against STIs too it shouldn't just be uh, you know uh, the woman doing all the stuff you know we know that uh, it should be a joint decision mm -hmm. absolutely I had a great conversation with um, a guy who came in and really was interested in contraceptives and so we pulled out the bag and we talked about all the things that were available and um, he found it really helpful because then he understood if he were to get into a relationship what kinds of things, you know, they could use together um, and what his potential girlfriend could use. So I think it's great for guys to take it upon themselves to come in or come in with their partner, um, if we're talking about a heterosexual relationship, to come in and make that decision together. Yeah, the new FDA ruling, too, for, uh, regarding Plan B um, also says that men would be able to pick it up over the counter. So that's a step in the right direction. You beat me to the question. <laughs> and on that note, I think there's a certain stigma about girls who carry condoms mm -hmm. and I think that that's perfectly valid for a girl to have a condom should she choose to be sexually active. Well I mean the fact that the data shows you that women buy more condoms in the U.S. than men do mm -hmm. so uh, there are a lot of women who feel comfortable doing it and I think you should feel I mean there's still some stigma mm -hmm. buying condoms uh, any place you go you know the old movies used to show and you know you try to sneak them up to the counter and buy them and, but you know uh, it shouldn't be that way but mm -hmm. in some places it still is and, in some circles it is. Mm -hmm. But before we uh, go to the break, before our guest comes in, I want to talk about one other issue quickly, which was the, uh, uh, we touched on it briefly about uh, uh, the article in the state news that was talked about being abstinent yeah. and, mm -hmm. and those people who choose uh, to be celibate. Mm -hmm. And I got quite a few emails from my comments about the fact that uh, uh, in order to call yourself something or label yourself something, you need to have a constant definition of it because there is an epidemic uh, these days of women who uh, say they're uh, virgins mm -hmm. who have STIs, sexually transmitted infections. And I get several emails from people say, how can that be if you're a virgin? You, how can you have an STI? And I, uh, uh, I said, well, Erin, you want to talk about that? Oh, I think it's a really interesting question um, in terms of how can you get an STI um, from that. But we know that skin-to-skin -skin contact, we were talking about HPV, which is the virus that causes genital warts, and herpes um, are potentially two big ones that are skin-to-skin -skin contact, that mutual masturbation, um, you know, 
dry humping, even if it's uh, on your leg, things like that, if you have a lesion, potentially um, you can share that with someone. Even so. if you're using a condom with those mm -hmm. STIs. And also, it depends on your definition of virgin. For a lot of people, that means I've never had vaginal intercourse, but that's not always true because there are a lot of STIs that can be transmitted through oral or anal sex. Well, I think it's, it, it's part of the deficit of our culture not giving sex education mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people who do want to, and I'm going to use their words, protect their virginity, which they mean vaginal intercourse. Mm -hmm. uh, so they'll involve themselves in such things as anal intercourse, oral intercourse, uh, touching, mutual masturbation, all these different things, which if you don't have information that you can actually pass a sexually transmitted infection, you wouldn't know. And so you got folks going around saying, and somebody asks you, and, you know, and we tell people that a good part of safer sex is to have a dialogue with your partner beforehand about their past exploits. And if you tell somebody, well, I'm a virgin, and they say, oh, good, you know, that means no sexual contact? No, it just means I haven't done this. Right. Uh, so you have to have a clear definition about that. Otherwise, you're passing things without even knowing it to people who are unsuspecting because they've tried to be safe. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it's it's we have to be really clear in your definitions on on what you want to do, but mm -hmm. uh, you know that's part of the whole thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. And it's really interesting um, when you kind of go through that definition with someone in the process that they go through, um, just thinking about you know, well, I'll do everything except vaginal intercourse, or I'll do everything except anal intercourse, um, and things like that. And we're even talking about sharing sex toys. Some people, you know will share sex toys, but they won't have vaginal sex. Things like that. So it's a very, very fine line that we're, that we're walking here. Um, and I think that you need to define that for yourself. And then when you're having that discussion with your partner, you need to define it together. Yeah, it's important, I think, to understand your motivation for why you are limiting yourself in that way. Like, Absolutely. why are you making that decision? If you don't understand it yourself, then, mm -hmm. then you need to ask yourself some yeah, questions. Yeah, told me to. Yeah. All right, it only took the first show to cross all the boundaries, haven't it? We've already talked about sex toys, mutual masturbation, everything else. You know how many people we pissed off tonight? Um, uh, well, I think it's it's uh, everyone's choice to decide how they feel about what we say. Uh, but I know Andrew uh, brings up a good point, which I, you know, I want to spend just a couple of minutes on, is is even asking yourself those questions about why you're even going to have sex. I mean, mm -hmm. Why are you going to involve yourself in sex? And I think if I could give any advice to whether it's freshmen or, as Melissa said, people who out there who just have questions, is before you even decide whether to use Plan B or any contraceptive devices, ask yourself why you're being involved with it. I mean, God, I mean, Aaron and I and, and Andrew are all uh, uh, do HIV counseling at Olin, too. And we've all went through this process where we ask people the risks. And, you know, many times before we got real explicit with the the written form, we used to say, you know, have you ever had sex in the past? And, and and they would say, uh, no, 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 I've, I've never had sex. And they would say, okay, so you've not had, you know, anal intercourse. No, 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 I, I just meant sex, you know. <laughs> Once again, we have a problem with definitions. Mm -hmm. People think, some people think sex is only this, and other people think sex is only this, you know. Mm -hmm. If you talk to a lot of the middle school and high school kids today, they don't even refer to oral sex as sex. That's no. just something you do. That's just messing around. That's just messing around. And then I'll talk to the high school kids and they'll say, well, no, I've never had sex. And then I have them fill out a, you know, a sheet mm -hmm. that says that nickel all the way down the line there except no vaginal. So mm -hmm. I think that's part of it, too. You really need to be clear about uh, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for me? Yep. Am I doing this for somebody else? Am I doing this to actually bring in a child in the world? Mm -hmm. Am I doing this for pleasure? Okay. You know. <laughs> well, I, I trained another, you know, this is going to really date me. I trained another old Bill Masters of Masters and Johnsons who wrote the, the textbook on, on uh, human sexuality in 1966. And old Bill Masters used to say, D, the only reason for sex other than procreation is pleasure. And if you're not doing it for one of those reasons, you really need to stop and ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. And I still use that to this day because, you know, we ask people why they're having sex. You know, a lot of times, you, you know, especially in HIV counseling, you get that dumbfounded look and they go, well, I, why, I've never been asked that question before. You know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess it's because, uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You get that a lot. So I don't think people have gone through that process. It's kind of like, it's, it's here, it's ready, let's do it. And I go, why? 
Mm-hmm. You know, not in that condescending <laughs> way, but, but why? 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 Why you decide to do that? And, and when you put that out there to people, sometimes they go, "Well, darn! I've never been asked that question." <laughs> I can say "darn," right? <laughs> I think it's okay. That's okay. kind of the PG version, anyway. <laughs> I think you already um, said the other one. Anyway. <laughs> I, <don't think> <laughs> so I, I kind of think that uh, sometimes, though, like when people think about pleasure and sex, like there's there's a lot of stigma with that too, is because like. You know, are they allowed to enjoy it is something that I don't know if people really consider. Um, Because a lot of people do think of sex as being, well, it's supposed to be for procreation. But, Mm. you know, there is some pleasure that people get out of it. a whole lot of fun coming out of it. (laughs) But, you know, if we admit that we actually enjoy it, and that's one of the reasons why, then, like, what does that say about us? So, Mm -hmm. you know, because, like, I I wonder if that there might be some moral... um, apprehension to saying, you know, yeah, I do enjoy sex, and that's the reason why that mm-hmm. I have it. Yeah, I mean, you're so right, you know. We, we've done these before, and I, and I do in my class, like, have students write this paper called Who Am I Sexually, which really kind of details their life from when they can are conscious of it till now, and how everything has impacted their sexuality. And you can, you can bet that uh, morality, religion, uh, parental values, they all impact that. So you're right. I mean, it's the rare person that says to me when I ask them, why are you doing it? They'll say, because I like it. <laughs> most times they'll jump all around because you're right. Sometimes it's not it's not cool. It's not acceptable. It's not morally acceptable to say because, you know, it's pleasurable. Uh, and then for some people it's not. You know, some people will say, well, it's my mechanical duty or I do it because of spite or I do it because he wants me or she wants me to. It's almost, I think, refreshing a little bit to hear when people do have that reaction where they just say, I like it, because it, it kind of is an indicator, not all the time, but most of the time, that they are they know themselves sexually and they've accepted it. Right. And and they know what they want, and I think that's important for everyone. But, you know, on the other side, Andrew, it's all right to say, you know, uh, I do it because it's, I think it's part of the commitment I've made to my partner. Because <laughs> uh, some people just don't find it pleasurable or don't find it as something that they like to do and that's that's all right Mm -hmm. that's right we're not trying to fix anybody we're just saying make sure you ask yourself the questions uh about that Mm -hmm. absolutely um well i think that we need to go to a break because when we come back we're going to talk about national coming out week and all of the events that are going on um i know that the lgbt alliance is uh is going to have a lot of events to share so all right, we'll so be back. yeah, we'll be back af- uh, for, for more exposure um, after this break here on the Impact 88.9 FM. Hi, this is Martin Short with today's Eco Quiz. Okay, you separated the bottles, jars, and cans and put them out for pickup or drop them at a recycling center. What else do you have to do to complete the recycling process? Here's the answer to today's Eco Quiz you have to buy recycled products. You see, separating the bottles, jars, and cans and dropping them off at a recycling center is only half of the recycling process. Recycling just won't work unless we all make an effort to buy new products made from recycled materials. That way, we'll encourage manufacturers to use more recycled materials. So do your part. When you shop, look for labels that say, Made with Recycled Content. What it gets down to is this. If you're not buying recycled products to close the loop, you're not really recycling. Get involved, get the facts, recycle, and buy recycled. This is Martin Short on EcoQuiz. EcoQuiz is a public service of the National Recycling Coalition in association with the Steel Recycling Institute for a more environmentally conscious America. They came from every corner of the country. And we're back here with your exposure here on the Impact 88.9 FM. I'm your host, and today, well, we're just going to continue with our Olin Health Center panel for some more sex exposure. Yay! We're all dancing here in the studio, at least I'm trying Everybody, with my box like... of tissue. <laughs> um, so if you have any questions for our Olin Health Center panel, please feel free to give us a call at 432-3893. Um, and so- we don't want to bring the prize packs Back to Olin. Well, actually, you do Whoa. bring them back to Olin because they pick them up there. But, but <laughs> you want the prize packet? Yeah, you yeah. want it just because the warming notions in there. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah. That's it, safe. Whatever. We had a great discussion before that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's cinnamon, so it, w- it will open up your sinus passages. Put it right there. You're right under your nose. Oh, thank you. That number. See, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. 
exactly. It's kind of like vapor rub for me. But, you know, I want to say something before we get to our our guest because you brought up, uh, Aaron, you brought in case you said it, and and Andrew, I think you hinted at it, is that some of the information that we give about certain things such as, i.e., sex can be for pleasure is very freeing for some people. Because in, in therapy and in situations where people come and talk to me about not being orgasmic or not feeling, you know, not knowing how to do it and stuff, you know, one of the first things we do is kind of give permission. We give permission that you have a right to touch your body. Mm-hmm. You have a right to do these certain things. That that's within your 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 rights as a human being. You have a right to to have pleasure and say you want pleasure. And, and sometimes you see their eyes just go like. And I'm saying both men and women. You know, he's doing the whoa look. The whoa look. <laughs> it's and radio. The look. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes you see that look, like, oh my gosh, somebody actually said I can, I can experience that, I can feel that. You have given me permission. Not that I have that power, but you give it by virtue of information, and that it's all right to do that. So I do want to make that point that that uh, a lot of it is about permission. Can I add in a fun fact about stigma about pleasure? Fun fact. Fun fact. For about, I believe, 100 years, the clitoris was taken out of Gray's Book of Anatomy. Wow. Well, that's that, sad. Isn't that kind of I interesting, like though? It was in, and then it was out, and then it was back in. Interesting. Well, we're, ba- we're glad it's back in. We had one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Just so everyone knows. Oh, great. Even now, they say <laughs> yeah, great. now we've covered, we yeah. now have covered all the topics <laughs> in one show. We just said clitoris. So getting and, tomorrow. <laughs> we have a guest. That would be me. <laughs> we do have a guest, and we're glad you came. You want to introduce our guest? This is our guest from the LGBT Alliance. Her name is Mara Deutsch. Deutsch. Yep. And she's going to talk about National Coming Out Day. So want to just tell us what it is? Um, bas- welcome, Mara. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. Um, basically, it's a week where we spend, um, based around Wednesday, October 11th, which oh, is the actual National Coming Out Day, and it's basically a chance for people to feel more comfortable, get the resources that are available on campus. Um, if they are curious or identify with the LGBTIQQA um, community. And Wait, can we clarify that? <laughs> yes. Please. Okay, that, uh, that means lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, questioning, queer, and ally. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. We've added the entire alphabet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's, good to do the, it's good to talk about it. Sometimes we throw a lot of initials and, and acronyms around on a college campus, and some people go, what does that all mean? So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. And so, so how can people participate with National Coming Out Day? Um, we do different activities every single day. Um, starting, We're kicking it off on the 7th at with a coming out barbecue at the auditorium field. Um We'll have like games and food and just kind of do something fun. Um, it's fun. And it's on Saturday. It's this Saturday. Yep, this Saturday. From four until seven. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then Sunday, we're doing. We're trying to reenact the gay games, which um, were in Chicago this past summer, and we're gonna have fun little activities. Um, I don't know the exact things, but maybe like bobbing for apples, and I don't think it'll be exactly athletic things because we're trying to make it accessible. Mm-hmm. As well. Is it really called the fruit bowl? Yeah, it's <laughs> that's what it's always been called. So I love it. Yeah. It's great. Any other any other activities during the week? Um, sun, well, Sunday evening at 5 p.m. we're bringing in Leslie Feinberg, who <laughs> is an acclaimed author of Stone Butch Blues. I just read the book this summer, and it was really good. It's should she or Z should definitely be an interesting person to hear speak. Anything else? (laughs) Well, we have activities every single day. Um, Monday, they're bringing, they're doing, because it's, um, I forgot, Indigenous People Day. And so we're doing a Who's um, the Immigrant Workshop. And that's over at the Heritage Room from 12 to 2.30. And then Tuesday, there's going to be a rally at the Rock with Faitao Mew and Same Gender Loving Students of Color. And after the rally, there's going to be a Speak Out Poetry Slam at the Wonders Hall oh, wow. Kiva. Cool. That's really cool. You guys are doing some very cool events. Are any of these new this year? Um, well, bringing in different people that, like, we try and bring in different people every year. Okay. Um, I don't think we've ever done the Who's Immigrant Workshop, as far as I know. I don't know. That would be very interesting. 
but we always do we all, we tend to do the coming out barbecue and we always do the national coming out dance which is something that I've been working specifically on so what happens during the dance <laughs> Oh, it's it's just kind of like to let loose at the end of the week and just have a good time. We're going to have cookies to decorate, and we're bringing in GM and DJs, and it should be really fun. Is the theme the same as last year, the yellow, green, red? No, I don't. we don't even have a theme. We'll just do whatever you want. So, so you're themeless. Right. <laughs> we're themeless sometimes, too, on the air. Let me, let me ask you a question. Uh, you know, I, I do a column for the state news, and I, I got a question the other day, which I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrestle with for some time here. Uh, the question was, uh, am I gay? Uh, it, and I can't do the context behind it, but what I really want to ask you, in retrospect to coming out, is this campus a safe campus to come out? I personally found it to be a pretty safe campus. Um, my procedure of coming out was took a while, but that was just on my own accord. To me, coming out wasn't until I actually told my parents, and that's still like something in the process. But as far as like here, we have so many resources available on campus, and I found like Olin Health Center has been definitely like available, and the Counseling Center. I've definitely tried to use all of these resources, and I haven't had any personal problems. Um, so what, what do you think the significance of having uh, coming out week or coming out day, what's the significance for the campus? I think it just makes more people who might not know about the community, like, more aware um, so that they can participate because we're always, well, like, open and welcome to people who don't identify exactly with our community. And if somebody wanted more information or somebody, you know, wanted help with coming out, where would you send them? Um, if they came to me, I'd probably tell them they can always come to, like, an alliance meeting, which um, they're at Sunday from 730 and 441 of the Union. Um, counseling Center, too, if you want to talk to somebody. Um, those were the resources that I used. Right. I was doing a lot of research for the... I was the one who made the agenda for tonight. <laughs> and so um, when I was looking up National Coming Out Day, it seemed like there's a lot of different groups on campus, PRISM and Bright and the Alliance and... Um, can you talk, talk about the differences between those? And I mean, um, first of all, I was just very impressed. I think that that to me was a sign that it is that it is a very comfortable campus. It seems like there's a lot of support groups for students. Yeah. Um, well, to start off, the Alliance, I think, was probably one of the first groups that was started. And it just basically, it deals more with policy and that kind of thing. Uh, we sit on, like, ASMSU and stuff like that. Um, and then... Each dorm room has its own caucus, and that's Bright, which is over in Brody, Ring is in North Complex, Prism in South Complex, Pride in West Circle, um, and Spectrum in East Complex. <laughs> There's so many I can't even <laughs> keep track. Um, and then on top of that, we have Same Gender Loving Students of Color, or SGL Social, and that's for um, those who identify with um, different, like, multicultural ethnicities, stuff like that. I mean, everyone is welcome to go to that, and that's on Tuesdays in the 441 of the Union. Well, you guys have a new center now, right? Brent Gildo is kind of taking, they have, like, a new office, right? They're located in student services. Is that new? We've, I think we've always had the LGBT office okay. or office of concerns, yeah. And Brent Bildor, I know, is over there, and he's very supportive um, in terms of being, he's the director over there, mm -hmm. right? And, um, and there are a lot of student groups that are really great, very active, too. He's oh, yeah. very active, which is awesome. It's awesome to see. Brent's a good guy, and if you really need to, uh, to any support or help, please contact his office. He's so low-keyed, though. I mean, he's so low-keyed. I mean, he's not, he's not, doesn't have any energy. No, Brent, Brent always... Uh, uh, I'm very enthusiastic about Brent. But we thank you for coming on. Yeah. And stay with us. We're going to talk about another event that's going to go on, and that's Love Your Body Day. And what's Love Your Body Day? Well, basically, Love Your Body Day was started because, statistically, 80% of women reported that they're unsatisfied with their body. And so this is just kind of a way to, to fight against that and get, um, I think it's aimed towards women, but it's definitely for everyone to learn how to love their body and accept themselves for who they are. And uh, it's on October 18th. And the Women's Resource Center, as well as Ruby, will have a table set up um, during lunch at the Union and then at the Olin Open House. And they'll have materials to, with information. They'll be there to answer 
questions and um, candy and stuff, I guess. Candy, all right, I'm there. Bullets <laughs> having an open house? Oh my goodness. Well, I'm joking. Let, let, let me, let me, let's talk about Love Your Body Day for a yes. minute. What's the importance of it? I know Melissa isn't loving her body right now because it's sick. Uh -huh. and she's, she's kind of sitting there going, Will the time get to eight yet? See, I love my body. My body right now does not love me. <laughs> ah, good point. We gotta make Touché. that distinction. I like that. Uh, you know, it, it's real interesting because I think this this day is important not just for women but for men. You know, talking with some of the freshmen in the freshman seminar class today. You know, one of the one of the guys said, "Well, why would I want to talk about uh, you know body image or and stuff like that?" And I said, "Do you know what the stats are on the number of men now who?" who have uh, disordered eating or, or deal with body image problems. It, it's yeah. it's a significant amount of money too. But, you know, I, I asked my class at LCC the other day, I said, is there anybody in here who can stand up to say that they like every part of their body? There wasn't one person that stood up. There wasn't one person that's, that would stand up and say, I like every part of my body. Not that, not that that's the goal. Not that that's the goal. But when I asked them to talk about what they like and what they don't like about the body, Categorically, almost everyone talked about what they didn't like. It was so easy for them to talk about what was negative about the body. And very few even <laughs> talked about said, well, you know, I got good abs or my butt, my butt rules. No, no one talked about it. Yeah. It was all about my butt was too fat and my breasts are too this and my penis is too short. It was all this kind of stuff. Why is that? It's sad, but it's so much easier to focus on the negative things than the positive things because if you t focus on the positive things, it becomes, well, how will people perceive me if they if I like myself? Or if, you know, if and I Is think, she stuck up? <laughs> yeah, am I, is, am I stuck up? Am I too confident? Am I full of myself? Things like that. And it's sad that our society has made us feel so like we have to, you know, be derogatory to ourselves because you don't want to be perceived as somebody who likes herself. <coughs> It's awful. And we see it in the data, too. We see it because um, when you look at the NCHA data coming back, that students that are reporting themselves as at or below weight, 39% of them are still actively trying to lose weight by way of exercise or dieting or pills, you know, things like that. Um, so it's, it's a really sad phenomenon that's going on on campus and in the world in general. And it's reinforced by media and... Well, right, we're going to probably spend a whole another show talking about this when Melissa's well and she'll get into it with us <laughs> and stuff like that. Yes. But you know what? I think sometimes that uh, we tend to uh, want to blame everything on society and the media and stuff like that. And I think we should really get into it at some point because you know, I did that exercise with the class. I said, I want you all to regress back to age 12 and draw yourself as you saw yourself at age 12. And almost across the room, they all drew themselves and pointed, pointed and drew themselves to things they didn't like about their body, and they still persist <laughs> at this age, at 18, 20, 21. So a lot of this has developed a real early age where they don't like parts of the body. And so we need to figure out how to correct that yes. and redirect that. Well, and it, it's hard, too, because like, it's in, enforced by your peers. Like uh, when I was studying abroad this summer, <clears throat> there was a girl on my trip and she was talking about some eating disorders that she had gone through. And for me, like, that was, you know, I think of, like, my mom. My mom's a plumpish woman, but she's incredibly happy, and I love her, and I think she's beautiful. And it was something, like, she was never really consumed with her weight. And then talking to this girl who was just absolutely obsessed and let food control every aspect of her life. And I made a comment about how, you know, in all honesty, I'd rather be fat and happy than skinny and miserable. And a girl on my trip just at that point intervened and said, well, Melissa, you can say that because you weighed 95 pounds. Mm. And it's like, oh, well, thank you for giving me the benefit of the doubt of 30 <laughs> pounds. I'm so glad you think I'm emaciated. <laughs> but it's hard because, like, it is something that is just uh, reinforced by other women and other peers. So There's a lot of judgment that's leveled out at people and by people every day. And I get the same thing. I always, I get to see the opposite. You're so thin. You're so thin. Why don't you put on some weight? Like, you know, I need to put on that weight. You know, I need to go home and eat the whole thing of Oreos, you know, just, just <laughs> like, to put that weight on. Like it's okay to call someone skinny, but it's not okay to, to call someone fat. No, no. It's no. supposedly a compliment to say someone's skinny. And... But, the best quote in a magazine, let's stop focusing on our bodies and stop, you know, let, just stop. Like, don't comment on people that are too thin and don't comment on people that don't celebrate people for being curvy either. You know, stop focusing on individuals and their outside appearance because that's not where it counts. 
But we uh, we appreciate being here, and so I think we want to give some plugs for... We also have the um, open house at Olin, which is a trick-or-treat themed, and I'm... Erin, would you like to talk a little more about that? Yeah, it's going to be super fun. Um, come to Olin on October 18th uh, from 5.30 to 7.30, and you could potentially receive any one of multiple prizes. Um, we'll have giveaways. We'll have candy at each department. You can pick up a different piece of candy or you know coupons, things like that. Uh, pizza will be provided complimentary courtesy of Olin Health Center and the Student Health Advisory Council, which is a new student group uh, coming to Olin to help us kind of voice student opinion about Olin and, and help us kind of make services better for students. So come to the open house Wednesday, October 18th from 5.30 to 7.30 so you can pick up um, candy, have dinner with us, talk with people. It's going to be the bomb. It's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. It'll be pleasurable. We're also going to have complimentary chair massages for students who come there. So I know Melissa's lined up already. She's got mm-hmm. a whole group there going. Yeah. And yeah. costumes are not required, but I personally recommend them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me, it's trick or treating. Melissa, we, we thank right. you for having us. I know my favorite show in the world, Torch and Twang, is up next. So everybody better listen because I'm listening. But thank you for having us. Go no Tigers. Problem. Always a pleasure. And we will be seeing you guys once again in November, the first Tuesday of that month, which I can hardly wait for. So, um, But as uh, Dr. D just mentioned, we do have Progressive Torch and Twang up next. And uh, you know this is, this is all we've got for sex exposure. Um, here on your Impact 88.9 FM.